31st of December, shout out to Frank Moore, Explore More, crazy single, crazy record. When you hear the end part, it's like, blows your mind away. So anyways, in the building, in the building, in the building today, we have, uh, to my right, Nephateria, Nephi, Nephi Billions. What's up, Neff? What's up? <laughs> She's like, uh, you just said my whole government name. My whole government name. She's like, please. please. <laughs> and then right next to her is <laughs> Mr. Rich, Ricky G. Rich G. What's up, Rich? How you doing today? Good, good. I hope everybody doing good. <laughs> so we're having so much. They're ha- like Rich and Nephew are back there in the main room. They were having a conversation maybe for about an hour or so and we came back here we're having more conversation and i was like you know what why don't we just put it on the podcast like because other people probably want to hear the same things and they want to learn the same things and uh we're talking about nephew's talking about her children and um you know developing them or they themselves developing themselves and growing into themselves and showing their personalities and so on and Rich was talking about, you know, all the things Rich usually talks about in here, you know. <laughs> so you know what Rich talks about. So but um so yes, I guess if you don't mind continuing. So what, what, how, how did this thing start? I think you know, nephew's talking about how she for some short period of time she worked in education, especially for those children with autism. And and it kind of started really from there but prior to that i was like hey i think your kids are autistic and she's like uh what do you mean by autism you know or or being autistic because her experience in autism was different from my perception of autism and i was just telling how i feel like autistic kids are like the they're the geniuses of the world they're the ones who come up the 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 mathematical equations um to create the DNA from scratch or something like they these are the kids who got every autistic kid I've ever seen on the internet like they're the ones who like this one kid I follow this kid is a like he's like seven years old and he's a producer he plays every instrument guitar keyboard everything he's autistic I'm like wow like how you know it's like I think you know it's almost like that special super gene you know and if you don't know how to if parents 
or the people around them don't know how to manage them properly or how to appreciate what they have and how to try to have them hone in on their gifts. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, who else is going to do it? And what, what, what do you normally name, label that person? You know, you know my, my perception originally when you said it was, because I think you asked me if I was offended when yes. you asked if... Because I was trying to say, like, hey, I'm not asking it as if I'm trying to offend. I'm letting you know my perception to it is. But, but my perception special. of a lot of things, really, really and truly, my perception of a lot of things is void of labels. I am Aquarius, true and true. I'm Aquarius. This is my sun sign. That's my Just moon like my sign. Son. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm Aquarius, my sun and my moon sign. So I'm Aquarius, true and true. So social constructs, I never understood because what society says is something is just their way of defining what can't be explained. Like everything about society, it wants to define what can't be explained. And then the minute that you find something, an anomaly that doesn't go with that social construct is automatically deemed different, weird, unique. But the way that we are all created. No one person is created the same. You have twins nice. who are who come from the same zygote. I hope I'm saying that word right. They have the same DNA. <laughs> they come from the same identical twins. Identical. And and if you meet them, they are opposites. And so what that tells you is nothing is exactly the same. You have six billion people. You have six billion or plus. I don't know how many people are really in this world. You have six billion. Mm -hmm. We don't even know if all the six billion people are even people. We have six billion species. <laughs> yeah, that's facts. That's facts. At the top of the chain. That's facts. You, you know what species. I mean? And so, um, just and you know, just this might go off a little bit, but I was watching an episode of um, No For Sure, which is B Simone and the other girls' podcast, and they had. Um, I can't think of what his name is on there, but they had this one gentleman on there and he, I want, and listen, for me, okay, I'm going to just say it. He's a part of the LGBTQ community, but he's a, he's a, what? He's a part of the LGBTQ community, All right. but he's also not. Wow. Now I'm going to explain what he said about why he's not, because he is a gay male, but he does not like other gay men he actually likes straight men because straight men are masculine in his words and other gay men are not masculine so he doesn't he doesn't like get he doesn't like straight men he likes masculinity wow. so if that masculinity is on a woman he's attracted to it mm. if that masculinity is on a man he's attracted to it and he's not attracted to other gay men because they didn't have that masculine alpha masculine trait that he's attracted to and he said that people in the LGBTQ community don't like him because he's what you would call an anomaly. People wanted to label it LGBTQ plus because we wanted to put a name, a label, a construct on something that didn't make sense. First, it was just heterosexual man and woman. Now we're open to other variables, but we're still going to categorize it into something. So when you don't fit into a category, you're automatically put on an outskirts of society as other we don't know what the fuck is this right here and so as me with my mindset i always give the voice for the others because 
even though I may, you know, I was always like a it girl and I hated that shit. What, what, what do you mean by it girl? And here's another, you know, we have to use the labels. We have to use the labels, but I was always the it girl of the girl that everybody wanted to be the girl that everybody hated to love the girl that every, everybody always thought that I had everything. I had the looks, I had all the boys like me and da, da, da. but nobody understood my mind. Yeah. Nobody understood that I was going through some real life shit. I was going through shit that people around me wouldn't know nothing about, not just in my mind, but literally in my physical reality. Half of the men that wanted me, boys, whatever, this is like high school area. I didn't want them. And this was the popular ones. I, I didn't want that. Well, you want you the know? grown men or the nerds? I wanted the grown men. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wanted the grown men and the nerds were my best friends. And so it's like, why are you hanging out with them? It's like, because I like them. Like, because they cool. And I could really go in any environment, in any setting, and make friends with any type of people. I've when, always been that type you, of person. Just as a woman, when you wanted those grown men, did you mm-hmm. want them for companionship or for like did you want them for sex? Do you even know what sex was? Or did you want them for I knew what sex was very young, unfortunately. <laughs> so you were doing it from young then? Um no no no, it wasn't about sex. I wanted grown men because they understood my mind. Okay. And I mean what I'm saying is when you wanted them, did you want them just for conversation? Did you want them to like really just be a part of your life or I wanted to understand I wanted a grown man because my the way that I, because of the things that happened to me at a very young age, I was on my own at 14 years old. Wow. So a lot of the things that my peers couldn't do, I was already doing because I was already like grown technically. And so that was another thing that kind of made me be looked at as an it girl. Um, but I pretty much rather be with older men because they afforded me a certain level of stability that I really couldn't really give to myself because of whatever financial stability. So you said like, no, I always had money. I just, I just didn't have the say so to do what I wanted to do with it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't buy my own bottle of liquor. Okay, so yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't get a car. I couldn't get a car. I didn't have. I I didn't have my own spot, but I was on my own. Like I was fourteen, sleeping in park benches. Like people didn't know that, and I really had to use my charm to like get out of dangerous situations or or to really I was using my charm and my looks to survive really so and I didn't like that and that wasn't that that wasn't a real reflection of who I was internally but I learned how to navigate through that but I think you just said something you touched on it and you try to kind of fly (laughs) out of it and I'm trying to hold on to it so you said dangerous situations while sleeping on park benches and so on and benches like what was a dangerous situation for? And the, it's not, it's the, not, oh, the, this is for the people out there who have kids who probably run away from home, or parents who are very aggressive on their children, not caring what happened to them out there in the world, thinking that it's all right until the day that something actually detrimental happens and they're crying, like why, why did I do this? You know, this is someone with experience who was for some. So why were you out? On the, the street oh, that's what first? I was gonna say. The danger was in society. Like I had just got to a point at 14 where I was like, I'm gonna fight. Like I'm not finna die. And why it did you just have to got fight, to that though? point. Like who did you have to fight? 
Well, okay, so y'all gonna make me tell my whole life story. Buy yeah. the book. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, you know what? So, so, matter of fact, what I was gonna say earlier was so Nephi, I didn't say these things at the very beginning. Nephi is a writer, an author. So she has a book that is out, that is coming out. She puts it out whenever she wants to and then blocks it again because she, <laughs> she's so aquarian about it. You know what I mean? Like, wants the world to know, but then don't want everybody to know your private business. You know what I mean? So Keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive she, about my She's a songwriter, amazing songwriter, probably one of the top 10 songwriters or I'm going to say top 50 songwriters in the world, undiscovered and everything, as well as she is also, uh, I'm not going to say feminist, but she promotes mm-hmm. feminism, like in different products. She sells the Nani, Yoni, Yoni, like for cleansing and spiritual stuff. And she's also um, I prefer um, the term goddess. An ogun. So, so she's a, she's a goddess. I, I mean, I, you, I, you see the thing is, if I, as a man who really doesn't understand these things, who's listening. You might hear goddess and I'm like, okay, what the heck is a goddess? Like, is it like Xena? The I'm not a warrior? feminist because I vouch a lot. I use a lot on my platform talking to women. Uh, I, I, I talk, talk to, to women a lot women. about the way that they treat men. Yes. Like, I don't really like a lot of, like, so don't put me in no box. I'm not trying to put you, I'm trying to, I'm trying to describe you so that people who um, don't know who you are can get some type of idea of who's the woman that's speaking behind the because there's no camera this time right we're only audio yeah we haven't been doing camera for a little bit she doesn't fit in no box yeah like everybody literally have to literally why do you describe someone but, without and you, you don't you, said you don't need to why do you i am to? literally listen when i said i'm aquarius sun and moon you know what that means i am literally a walking contradiction i am my own contradiction i'm the most hoodest spiritualist person you ever meet i'm a goddess and i love men but i will fuck them up if i see some shit that i don't want to see i love women but at the same time i don't fuck with them because they some narcissists too like i am pause pause right there (laughs) i just got a text about your jacket it said, I am getting my jacket, sir. I'm just <laughs> trying to focus right now. Please don't give nothing my jacket. Please. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Please. I need my jacket. Uh-uh. I just shared his song on my story. Tell him I'm finna delete it. No, I'm tell, no he, didn't, he didn't say don't get to nothing. But he said, I'm getting my jacket, sir. He can go into no more details. So uh, we talking about Carol Frank. Just came out with the new single, Batman. Shout out to Carol Frank. Nephi said she's shoot. It's crazy, right? The record's doing crazy. Like, I think it's like... 14,000, and we're going to go back to what you're saying, my apology, 14, I, like it came out like the 31st or like three, four days now, it's like 14 or 15,000 streams. You had two artists drop on the same day? Three artists. Three? Frankie okay. Moore dropped Explore More, Baby Black, which you just saw earlier, mm-hmm. he dropped Zakwe, and uh, Kerbal dropped Batman, and Kerbal's like doing, he has all these like influencers and people doing videos and comedy and everything like that guy is a super listen if you don't know who Kerr frank is definitely google him this guy is hungry for success hungry to get his music out there i the only person i saw in my life as a music someone in the music business right or whatever or someone who loves music i'm not gonna say music business because i never treated like i did it for the love and the passion of it you mm-hmm. know what i mean but um someone who's been around a lot of celebrity music, musicians the only person i saw as hungry as him was sean kingston I mean, and Sean Kingston used to be called Franchise back in the day. 
And this guy was so hungry. He'll lie still. You know, I'm just joking. I, mean, I can't say all this. Oh, my God. But I'm just saying that. He really, but he wanted to get his, get to the, to the top. And he got there. You know what I mean? And, you know, you'd be surprised. This kid, like a gatekeeper, like me and his mom were just talking about it like two days ago. Like every big celebrity is at his house, whether he's in L.A., he's in Miami, whatever. Like the big celebrities, the big celebrities, big ones. You'd be surprised. Not the Jay-Z, but like all the young, biggest artists in the world, the young ones, the biggest artists are at his house. They'll come by, they'll hang out. The Chris Browns, the Young Thugs, the Money Bag Yo, the Glorillas, the uh, Trippy Reds, uh, you know, all these guys. You know what I'm saying? The list can go so long that I, I think I can lose breath. The NBA Young Boy, they're supposed to be business partners, Quando Rondo, um, uh, the TJ, uh, YSK Osiris. Uh, I've seen so many people at his house, man. It's crazy. And they just come there and just hang out like, like it's nothing. Mm. I mean, Tory Lanez, oh, man, I don't even want to talk about that. I love that kid. I'm sorry to hear what happened to him for me, in my personal opinion. But uh, yeah, what, what you're saying, crazy. though, what you're saying, Neff, I'm sorry to, to sidetrack. This is my ADHD. But going, but going backwards, um, you asked me a question about Four why I was in that, yeah, going why I was in that situation. And, you know, at 14, 15, Back for me, future. I left home at 14. Um, so you weren't kicked out. You just left. You didn't want to listen to your mom's rules. No, I wasn't my mom. I, okay, so now I have to go all the way back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> I never, I back. never lived with my mom. My mom, my mom um, suffered from mental illness. So we were taking from her. She actually tried to kill her, all of her children. She tried to kill us. She um, put us all in a car. She had, she had a psychotic episode and um, yeah, she tried to, you know, that's what happened. She has six kids. She didn't have no help with her kids. And so we all got separated and put into different environments. Um, and if anybody ever had to live with other people, it wasn't always, it wasn't always a bad thing. It's just that no one gave me the tools that I needed to go through to process what was happening to me. And in turn, the older that I got and living with other, I just didn't feel love. Like, you know, the the, the way that they raised us, the there was a lot of mental abuse from my perspective. And this is this also how I explain in my story. But if some of these people hear this, they think that, oh, that's just how black people are. That's just how we raised, you know? So they really don't see nothing wrong with it, but I did. And at the age of 13, 12, I was like, yo, I got the fuck. I was at 13, 12. I was like, bro, I got to go because ain't nobody finna be talking to me any kind of way, handling me any kind of way. You know, I had a very strong sense of self. And the more that I got older in consciousness, my sense of self was just growing. And I left I left home at 13, 14. I couldn't deal with the uh, I couldn't deal with the abuse. I couldn't deal with it. And so, but what it taught me was, um, I was still in school. You know, I still had a very normal life. I still went to school. Um, originally when I left, um, I was staying with a friend and then, um, I went to jail a couple of times because wow. life was hard and I had to steal to eat, to, to you're have. You're a booster? I had to. Yeah. <laughs> I need some clothes right now. I had to steal. It was not like that. I had to steal just for basic, just for basic things. Like if I need deodorant, if I needed, you know, yeah, I was 14. You I, in jail for deodorant? 
Nah, I'm I'm just saying I didn't get caught at first, and so like anybody else who never got caught, I started one of the bigger things. Nah, I just started getting careless because I thought that I was invincible, and then I started getting caught, and then you know I went to jail a couple times. Um, I was staying in group homes and girl group homes. It was like I went from one bad situation to a worse situation, and I couldn't understand life at that time. Nephew, while you're talking. Well, let me let you put it in your mouth for a second. So, uh, take take a little bite. Oh, it's good. Dark, some dark chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. So we just we're, we're it's be, before we go into before we, she continues telling the story, you know, because we're gonna probably this is probably gonna be like a three hour show. We're not. It's gonna be like a three hour show. So I just want to let you guys know we're eating some new tropics. It's a new chocolate bar company that we. I'll probably should eat one, not two. Two, yeah, you're gonna be blasted. It's all right. You took Uber. Oh Sorry. my God! You Uber. <laughs> it's all right. You took Uber. So, so Nephi said earlier. She's like, I want to take some shrooms, and we have some new tropic bars here with seafaring pretzel. So it's a dark chocolate with seafaring pretzel. Each bar has six grams of fruiting bodies in there. So, um, oh my God, here we go think, down the uh, rabbit hole. I think Richard just ate two pieces, right? I beat it, or you almost done with the second. Second piece. Is like one and a half. Yeah, the, tar- the dark chocolate, really good dark chocolate. This is uh, very nice. Culverture chocolate. I like. I actually like strawberry shortcake myself. It tastes just. Like if I cry now, if so, I cry is because the chocolate, the mushrooms, the mushrooms <laughs> is Rich is gonna help me process all this afterwards and help me close it out. Yeah, in a very healing right. ceremony with some but, um, Reiki, I believe, right? Yeah, you know, I'm still like. Go on. I'm sorry. Um, I'm still like really learning a lot about myself as far as how all of this affected me on a, on a psychosocial emotional level. But, you know, back to what I was saying, um, yeah, I grew up, it was a very harsh and cruel environment. I left home. So you were in group homes. I left home at 13, 14, ended up in group homes. And that was a lot more harsh and cruel, but I had the freedom that, you know, I had the freedom of not necessarily having a parent or an adult over me there was just like staff people that worked there they worked their shifts they went home so there was no guidance no abuse though right um we fought every day oh abuse abuse no there wasn't no abuse but molestation no it wasn't none of that it wasn't none because it was more of like a a facility okay more than a home it was it was a home setting but it it was operated like a facility so for those who don't know the reason i'm asking these questions also because nephew if you ever get to see her on social media, she's a very, uh, she has a big backside for those who like big backsides. I mean, as well, and she has small. He's she annoying. Has, she has, she has it frame. took a minute for me to realize what he just no, said. No, she has, a, she has, she has a, 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 a body that a lot of guys, that's why when she said earlier, her mind was a certain way, and I couldn't stand her dealing with older guys because she had, I don't know, at, at 13, 14, if she had that body, if it took, the one child, the second child, the third child to get to where she was physically to have that, you know, that look. But, you know, because some women, they, they'll be flat, skinny, stick, you know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden they have a baby and everything pops out, pow, pow, pow. You're like, wow. I mean, I should have had a baby with you, you know what I mean? So, um, but so like. If you like slim girls, then I've always, I think that I'm more of a slim thick now. But I, back then I was I was a slim girl. I had a shape, but I was a slim girl. But a lot of the men that I dealt with did I I don't know. I don't I don't want to say that they dealt with me because of my body. That might have been what attracted them, but definitely what made them like 
really deal with me like was my mindset at that time i'm sure or or unless you were i was in full it wasn't even i was in relationships i wasn't in no i'm saying but look this i'm trying to say you had to did you approach them or they approached you they approached me all right women approach listen this is different day and age today i know this was a couple years back i mean i'm not gonna say your age so i'm gonna say it was not that far but it was far a little bit back but, you know, women do, I mean, I just saw a girl the other day on Instagram, a, a Caucasian lady, uh, stand, uh, get on one knee and propose to a black man with braids back at a baseball game or something. And Oh, yeah, I've seen that. that. That was horrible. I, I approached one ever person in my life that I ever reached out to, and was that motherfucker left me Japanese? on red. He oh, left me on red. Oh. I was like, ooh, I would never was, do that was again. Was he one of the ones in that song? Uh, was it? Uh, no. Flip or no, um, honey. Or, okay, okay. I'm not gonna say, I'm gonna play a song for you guys. So don't, you know please don't. You know, you have to come back here. I love that song. Please Fly don't. Back. Please don't. Fly back. But let's get back to the story. But so, no, the reason why I'm saying that, so look, so guy, usually when a guy who sees a girl or a woman, whatever, and you wanna approach her, usually it's the physical she has a the, the glow of an angel. I actually didn't start dating until I was about 16. It took a while for me to, because I was afraid, I felt like once I opened that up, okay. that that was going to be open. What you're doing with the other guys then, from 14 to 16? Just, you're doing education? I was just in school. I was just in school. Said, I wasn't, I didn't. You were talking to some dudes from 14 to 16. No, I left home at 14. And you were just testing the waters? I, I I left home at 14. I turned 15 a couple months later. I had a birthday right okay. right around the time when I left home. Okay. And for like that first year, I, I just, I was still, I don't know what I was doing, whatever I was doing before. I was just going to school or whatever. But at the, the environment wears on you. You get $10 a month. From what? For allowance. From where? From the group home. And you're supposed $10 a month and you're supposed to make that work. Well, you know, we don't know how long. I mean, I don't want to give you age because $10 was a lot back in that time. It wasn't that much in my time. I'm 28. I'm a girl. I need sanitary napkins. I need deodorant. I need whatever styling for my hair. I was the it girl in school and I was still going to the same school. So I was not about to take that fall. And now I'm walking around the bobos on. So I always cared about what I look like, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so what, what ended up happening was um, I, I started dating. Like boys started, it was actually and boys boy that were, buying stuff. it was boys that was my age that were interested in me. But because of the needs that I had, was that in and Miami be, they, or Fort Lauderdale? This is in, this in Broward, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Because, let, let's just be real. At 16, boys only want sex. Yes. And I knew that I knew what I had. I knew that I was... Well, you had good sex? That's what you're saying? Fresh meat. Fresh meat. Fresh meat, like in a chain game, went through that gate. Fresh meat! Fresh so, meat! So, growing up in a group home, there's, there, there's a language. Every environment has its own language. Just like when you go into high school, you're, you're a freshman. Um, the seniors going to be looking at you. Why? Because you fresh meat and you vulnerable. Meat. So going into a group homes, going in there, a virgin, like my sexuality became a big thing. So that's why I held on to it for as long as I could. Wow. And it was kind of like, by the time I turned like 15, 16, it was like, <laughs> all right, 
I got needs. You want something from me, but I want something from you. So these and kids- that was stability. So that's why I never dealt with boys that were my age because they couldn't give me what I wanted. It's like, why am I going to give you me and you can't take care of me? So, but that was my mindset very young because of my environment. So the grown man was busting it. And then the music. The grown man was busting it. And then the grown man was busting it. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What is wrong? So the grown man was busting it. Just know that it's all good. Listen, something is wrong with this man. Like, why you have to say it like that? Because you know what I was going to ask you earlier. You kind of disrupted what I was going to ask. I used to lie about my age too. I I used to tell I was. I used to tell I was. I was sixteen. I used to tell I was eighteen. And you look like eighteen. You know. You know. I didn't. This day and age, I don't know. I don't know about back then, but girls today be 18, like when I see them come here, 18, 19, 20. And they look, and I'm like, yo, 12. There's no, yeah, you're 12 years old. Like, <laughs> you're not coming in here. No, 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 no. They'll show you ID. No, I'm not, I'm not lying. Call my mom. Call my mom. How old am I? 20 years old. Oh you heard, God. but you heard what she just said. Call my mom. Yeah. And so, environment, because of the environment that I was in and because I was on my own, I carried myself like that. I looked like I was grown. I acted yeah. like I was grown. I kept my hair done, my nails done because the people that I was attracted, what I wanted to attract, that's what they like. So, that's what I look like. And the wow. and the boys they wanted me too, but I was the girl that they couldn't get because let's just be real. I was talking to dope boys. I was talking to drug dealers. Yeah, but I, was I was talking to. I was talking to. I was talking to thugs. I was talking to. I was in then? the hood. I was in the slums. I was in the hood. I was in the hood. I was serve. I one thing about Nefertaria, this one right here will serve. <laughs> You didn't, yeah, you say you, when you had kids, you didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know, everybody, listen, uh, sorry, real quick. This software, right, that we use, I'm actually going to upgrade it to a new software. But the software is like 600 bucks a year. But this software that we use, I don't know how much we're paying for it. Or if we are paying for it, it does like 30 minute increments. So we apologize if it just cuts off and you don't get to hear the rest of it. We, oh, don't, know where, we don't know where to find it at. Can we have to really yeah. pay attention? But the new software that we're going to get, and I've just been too lazy I to hope. go set it up. When I set it up, the new software, we will be able to um, um, run it through for many, many hours. We'll have the video and everything there. And people will be able to join in, communicate, get engaged, and so on, so on. So my apologies. So, yeah. So, yeah. So what I was asking earlier was, so there was, like, you know how Miami, like, this big thing about in Miami, about the jouet, those jouets back there, jouetters back then? Or, yeah. It was just dope boys. Or it was only dope boys back then? I mean, I was, it was, it, yeah, it was scammers back then, too, but... It was mostly dope. Credit boys. card. But I thought credit card scammers was. Um, I thought. I thought. The Zoles. For us in Broward, it was only the Zoles that was really doing that. For real. Back then. And it was like a big thing where, like, we didn't really deal with Haitians back then. Because we it's heard. So, no, it, yeah, it, yeah. it was because we heard so many stories about, like, voodoo and they'll put a love it. spell on you yeah. and, and you. Mentally gone by somebody because you don't even know why. And wasn't nobody finna play with their mind like that? <laughs> wasn't nobody finna play with their mindset like that? So we kind of stayed away from the Haitians and the Jamaicans, even though my first um child father was a Jamaican. Um, but yeah, I lied to him about how old I was. We started dealing with each other. Um, I got pregnant and I had to tell him the truth, and it came out, you know. He dealt with a lot of backlash from his family because of that, because you know, of the situation, but at, by the time I had my daughter, I was 18. So it really didn't matter anymore. Wow. Um, but to be real, 
we, mean, well, I have a question about that. Just, to, just to add more pieces. I'm trying to understand this. So, how about the hospital? How did they feel when you're just having your daughter 18? Like, they hold know. Up. when they did the, the numbers, like, oh, well, she must have been 17. They didn't. Like, they didn't know. And if they did know, they probably talked about me when it was at their little nurse desk. But yeah. nobody. My experience in a hospital with my first daughter was actually very good. Full term, nine months. Full term, nine months. months. Everybody there was so helpful. Yeah. So it was so much love and compassion what that they gave that? me. This was Memorial Memorial um West. It was in Mir- Memorial Miramar. They gave me crabs, like a big you plate of crabs. Oh, okay. No, the food. They um they gave me crabs to eat. Um lawsuits, crabs. She just so I remember gets STDs or crabs. I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why I, I I love them. It was this one nurse in particular. I wish I took her name. Um, I remember my daughter pooped for the first time in a hospital, and I that black poop. Huh? I I didn't know how to change her, and I had smelled it, and I called the nurse, and I was like, "Hey, can you change her diaper in front of me so that I can know how to change a baby?" Because I didn't know, I I did not know, and she was like, "Oh yeah, sure, no problem," and and she was actually like, "Thank you for asking," because you know. It, it, it won't dawn on people what your perspective or experience is if you're uh, unafraid to voice it, you know? And I've never been the type of person to be scared to voice how I feel. I actually, I'm lying. I used to be that way as a child and very, a part of me growing up and maturing was me also learning to put a voice to the emotions that I was feeling, whether that was right or wrong. Like it didn't, it didn't always come out in a very eloquent way. Like I can do it now. It used to come out as, bitch, you got me fucked up. (laughs) It used to come out as do that shit one more time. I'm going, I'm, I'm like, we finna, we finna bang it out. It used to come out like that. And I learned from it coming out like that, how to be more balanced with it coming out. Um, Especially I have children. I have to be more balanced now, but that's kind of how we got into the conversation about kids. And I was just talking about like how, you know, I've been through all these different things in my life where I had to be a specific somebody in order to survive an environment. And now that I'm old enough to set healthy boundaries and control my own environment, like I'm in a safe environment now, but I can, I've raised children that know who they are and I can bend and conform to be the type of nurturing, loving mother that they need, protective mother that they need. But a part of my journey now, as I've watched my kids grow into who they are, is one question I've just been having with myself is who am I? And and not only who am I, I know who I've been. But it's a who am I of who who was I always like, who have I always been like in my core? If I didn't have to go through these unsafe environments, if I wasn't put in it, in these situations, who I have been and not only who I have been, but who am I still now right now in my core? So when we talked about me cutting all my hair off my head, that was a symbolism to me and a journey back into myself of letting go of these social constructs, because as a black woman, that's the number one way that people will define me. They will see me with locks. Oh, you're the eclectic girl. Or you might see me with a wig and think that I'm 
that I got a city girl attitude because guess what? That's in me too. Cause I had to play that role at some part of my life. And so when I'm coming into who I am, I had to let go of my hair. I had to let that shit go because now I need, I need to, I wanted to see me. Oh my God. For the first, I've cut my hair before, but I never did it from this place that I've been sitting in myself. I never did it from this place of unconditional love for myself. I'm growing in self-love, but I do love myself unconditionally. Her phone's vibrating. That was Kali calling me. <laughs> yes. Hey, so, I so, always wanted to answer. To answer. <laughs> no, I'm not going to answer. You know, Kali is a friend of hers <laughs> who was actually on the first podcast. Kali Ma. Yeah, and she, uh, a Muslim woman, uh, I think her family owns some type of business. She was very, like, very, like, she was very... Uh, she didn't want to talk about it too much. Like she's very to, reserved. The gold water, I think it was. She owned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you come in. Yeah, I think they bring us some water to drink. It's not gold water like Kali's gold water, but it's some water. Oh, she's on crutches and she still brought water. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Tamika. Thank you so much. Bring water to everybody while she's on crutches. Thank you. Thank you so much. But you know, we're about to start uh, tripping balls over here on this shroom bar. So, oh my gosh, you want some? I'm turning my mic off. You, you want some? Yeah, you can go share it, share the rest with somebody, share it or give peace to people, let people try it out. Yeah, you don't have to make that weird smile. She, she's like, Oh my gosh, I get to it, it has a pretzel, so that the new tropics sea pretzel very nice. It's hard, dark chocolate. No, I thought you said you eat a lot of them. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, Tamika. Yeah, Tamika! <laughs> the bar, you know, the, the, the mushroom chocolate takes about like two to three hours to kick in for me. So after this is done, it, for you guys, it might kick in 30 minutes to 45 minutes. For me, it's going to take like two hours. And I'm gonna be like, oh, boy, why did I take it today? Oh, well, that's why I only... I didn't need that full second piece. I, I didn't see what tell did. me. I listen. I, I had some she, before she when I first got here. I had my greedy self. <laughs> I was like, mm, chocolate. Yeah. You didn't see it. And I was like, wait. I probably should have took two. Yeah. I probably should have took one. She, she devoured oh, that thing. Like, oh. I love me some she was doing chocolate. Some ASMR over there. I was like, Are I had I a couple it. spoonfuls of mushrooms that had been soaking in lime juice. Ooh, that's, this that's actually the best way to do it. You know, they said uh, even when you make the tea, that's how you stretch the, the acid from the lime. That's how you stretch. The, but you're supposed to put some ginger in there too. Your uh, stomach. But didn't I say Always to you earlier, Rich, I was like, I, I put the weed down because I, I had a very, oh my gosh, I love him. I talked to Rich earlier today. We were talking about spirituality. Yeah. He was talking to me, and I want you to kind of share with the people, but he was talking to me a lot about just the way that society is set up with, you talked about the fear and the lust. Mm -hmm. You talked about our parasympathetic. Um, yes. I don't know. When he said it, it made a lot of sense. We're not saying it, so I'm going to just let him say it. Uh, we've got an autonomic nervous system that handles everything that happens without us deciding to do anything. And that's split into two parts. There's a sympathetic part of our autonomic nervous system that deals with everything we do 
without having so any motion we make on autopilot it operates through that part of our nervous system but then the part that is simply the awareness of sensory data coming in that's the parasympathetic part of our autonomic nervous system and when we use that part to maintain more of our you know, if we have, we're aware, right? At any given moment, we're aware of this much. The more of our awareness that is like focused on our sensory input that help keep us locked into mm -hmm. the present moment. And all like what we were talking about before was learning if, when you're in a traumatic environment or when you're in a, whatever environment that's different and you have to learn to adopt a role to succeed in that environment. Mm -hmm. When you start talking about very extreme things where things that are considered childhood trauma, mm -hmm. that's a dysfunctional environment and the ways you learn to deal with it and survive and thrive in the dysfunctional environment when you get out of it into a safe space where none of that apply anymore mm -hmm. now that's what messing you up mm -hmm. those are all things we've learned mm -hmm. just like we learn anything you know you learn math you learn how to read and write you learn how to throw a ball mm -hmm. that access is part of our nervous system dealing with memory and reaction mm -hmm. that operates through our sympathetic part of our autonomic nervous system and it's literally anything we learn as a skill or anything we learn to do mm -hmm. operates through there but when so now about we've been conditioned just, yes, for that environment yes right it's a learned conditioned thing but when you're trying to undo one that's dysfunctional, mm -hmm. a lot of times the more you can step back and access the part of yourself that doesn't rely on what you've learned or experienced or, or any form of mental conditioning or habit or any of that, that's our awareness that mm -hmm. we access this the meditative state of being mm -hmm. where you're aware of things with your mind not being active mm -hmm. and then even like because when I, I came here way like probably like an hour before you mm -hmm. and i was aware when you came in but i was because of whatever else i had going on in my world before i even came here i saw you and I know that you sat next to me, but I was not mindful. I was not present, fully present in my body right. to even acknowledge you. I just know that you said something to me. I was like, oh, no, I don't work here. And then, you know, I just went on whatever I was doing. And then I actually came in this room and I lay down and I just I went into ah. I meditated for a little bit and then I ended up falling asleep and then he came and woke me up. And when he woke me up, I was more present in myself. Mm -hmm. And then I saw you. It's like, it's almost as if I saw you for the first time. And then we had a whole conversation where when I saw you and you said one word to me and I was like, oh, and then we just kind of just took off. Yeah. And it's like, I recognize you soul tribe. I recognize the soul family. I, I saw you, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? 
And so just even in what you just said of how that one small act of, I was so in my head and in my thoughts because I was kind of just trying to disassociate from my reality. Didn't realize that I really needed to meditate until I was literally just sitting here alone. I did a reading and then I went into a meditation. And just like you said, when I was able to come to the real true awareness of myself, then I could really show up in an environment where I could even pay attention to everything that was going on around me. And I was talking to you a lot about, um, you know, just the way that I, my, the way that my body, my body, mind, emotions responded to a lot of my traumas. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm in a safe environment, um, it's harder for me to connect with my mind, my thoughts when I'm alone. And that's just me speaking in honesty. I have a very strong spirit. I have a very strong sense of self in my spirit and I can connect with my body, but getting those two to sink into my mind space is not always easy because for me, it was never about the trauma. It was never about the trauma that was inflicted on my body. It was about the way that it was affecting my mind. And I feel like I used to try so hard to make sure that my mind stays straight. My mind, my mind, my mind, my mind. And now that I'm in a more safe environment, I have to be mindful. It's like now I have to give love to my mind in a way of understanding that you're not so strong that this shit didn't affect your mind. Right. Oh, it affected your mind, baby. And this is me being real with myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, it affected your mind and you better find out how and you got to find and you got to know that now so that you can do the work on your mind now so that 20 years, 30 years down the line, when I'm 60, 70, 80, I can still be here in good mind. Mm -hmm. It might not have, you know, it, maybe I don't see it. Maybe I didn't see it then, but I can start to see little things now. It might not be something that Mikhail would notice. It might not be something that you would notice, but I'm, I, I'm aware of my body and I'm aware of my spirit. And so it's the little inklings in my mind. And then even when I did my love language, my love language is words of affirmation. So the things that hurt me or worse was what was said to me. Uh -huh. That hurt me more than any type of pain that was afflicted on me, you know? And so now I'm in this process of, you know, I said that I, 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 I put down weed. I said I wasn't smoking no more, but I, I, my spirit is letting me know, like you need something. It's not weed, but you need something. <laughs> and it's the shrooms. It's the shrooms. <laughs> the world of shrooms. And so, um, um, I asked you a question. We were out there, and because of our conversations, we kind of just like just mm -hmm. go into one thing, and then we come out and go. In. Um, I don't think that I really got an answer to this because it's still kind of like a question mark there. I asked you. Um, you asked me, how does yoga and meditation yes. help me get back in touch with my mind? Yes. That's what you asked me. Yes. And then we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it anymore since. So let's, the, uh, let's talk about it. Well, we're a mind, body, spirit. A first, first before you go into that, I'm sorry. Can we talk about how you got into yoga and then can you talk about like i, I kind of want to know more from your experience yes. of how it's healing your mind oh you know real quick before he does go into that you know richard on the last podcast he explained it. i'm pretty sure i don't know if he told you that like he was in the military 
He told me that. It was about oh. destruction. And then he saw and he saw a different side to himself where it wasn't about destruction anymore. Now it was about life and bringing life to the world mm-hmm. and even trying to save the ants. Mm-hmm. Before it was like, hey, kill the ant, kill the guy, kill everybody. Everybody. And now it was like, you know, as a paratrooper, I believe, right? Or a ranger. I think yeah. he's a ranger. And then now it's like, and anybody who's a ranger, you know, you know what rangers are all about. You know, me being an ex, or not, never, you can never say ex, but a Marine, you know, I know what, it, what it's about. So, you know I mean, so anyways, yeah, go on, Rich. My apologies. And before you go on, <laughs> well, no, I just want to say, even just knowing that bit about him and knowing that he had that side of him, like, he's you, very you, empathetic. You wouldn't expect that. But no, 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 no. You see him, you, you don't expect that. You, no, yeah, you wouldn't you expect that because this version that I get to experience He's so empathetic. Yes. He's so empathetic. He probably feeling what I'm thinking, even if I'm not, I'm not saying it. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's very empathetic. But I'm just talking about in regards to skill set and his past life or so the present you... past life. It kind of blows your mind because yeah, you're like, man, you're that's like, too extreme. You see this guy. I told you how I shut it all down when I was four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you did tell me. Four years old? Yeah. So it was all shut down. That would allow me to be a ranger and everything and all that. Um, everything else, it's like follow the, you know, I'm 20, 30 year career in security industry. Mm-hmm. It like, right. I just follow a bunch of rules. I don't feel anything. I'm like a robot. So mm-hmm. just like follow the rules. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that would allow me to do that job, be in that industry. You know, be involved with training for violence and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do things that scared me. It's not all bad, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I. If you do enough things that scare you, you get to a point where that's not really even a factor anymore. But uh, I started doing yoga because my back hurt and it was free. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was working at American Express. They had classes, but you had to pay for them normally a monthly fee. And so I just worked out on my own. And one month they were switching their main company. And so they had free classes for a month and I tried yoga cause my back hurt and it made my back feel better. And I stuck with it. And that kind of got me into meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, the meditative parts of yoga started me meditating. And then I realized that pretty much everything in my life was kind of wrong for me. And it, I started changing it and it went from there and wound up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way yoga, and it's mainly the meditation, I think, but it involves your mind, body, and spirit all at once mm-hmm. if you're doing it in a meditative, energy-focused way. Mm-hmm. That explains why when I try to do it at home by myself, it's like, I know that it's supposed to be working for me, but it's not right now. <laughs> it's like... um I would need an instructor to show me yeah. how to how to let my mind show up right. in that space. Or too. you can come right here to this nonprofit and just uh, attend we classes with Richard for yes. free. Yeah. And we do everything for free here. Yeah. 
and he, I think he does the Reiki as donation base or free or, as well. Whatever. Yeah. I see. So, I love that. Whatever. That's what it's supposed to be like. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what we're about here. You know what I mean? Just being able to try to heal the world and the, with the little bit that we can. You know, a little bit of four thousand members trying to. I get paid prom- while yeah. I hear doing it. Yeah. Whether I doing it or not, I just assume. He used to do it for free. Like he used mm-hmm. to just volunteer for weeks and weeks, and I'm like, bro, you have to get paid. We can't just have you here. You know, just like giving up your time for one thousand percent free. Come on, at least. I was Talk just in. thrilled when I was getting free flour on the post. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, and then I, I didn't even realize I could get that was every day, whether I taught or not. I was only doing that on the days that I actually taught. Being part of the team, man. That's right. what do. I, but I thought, oh, wow. Now they pay me too. And like, like, we have to make sure that everybody in the team, we have our sacraments so we can fellowship. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can keep yourself cleansed and keep yourself connected with the creator is to be able to have, have the tools to co- constantly do it. So it's not about if you're a teacher or not. It's more about, hey, if you're constantly connected with the creator, con- const- constantly vibrating at your highest level, I think mm-hmm. the shrooms are starting to kick in for me. Yes. Then, you know, then it's easier for people like how Nephi came in and was able to feel and understand and know that you were and are who you are and that you are vibrating at a level where you can connect with her and um help heal her i mean but if you were someone who did it if you dabbled in it right you did like every week or every month and mm-hmm. you weren't really serious about it someone could sense that as well you know what mm-hmm. I mean? because some people when you're living in it is different from when I mean, you, it. You know mm-hmm. I mean? mm-hmm. what happened rich He's laughing over here. He's not. He wants to say something, but say what you're only saying. once a week. Are you? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah. To use this all the time. The sacrament. I, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, the thing is, people use it for recreational. Some people use it for medicinal, and some people use it for religious, like the peyote, like um, uh, and other, you know, and I've the been the using fungus. it as part of my meditation yeah. and yoga practice for years now really intensive intentionally i guess in a spiritual way mm-hmm. i mean for mm-hmm. my own attempt to spiritually connect and spiritually grow and spiritually mm-hmm. find myself mm-hmm. i've been using that you know i mean daily I mean, for a while now. and when, when, for me, when I do smoke, I'm able to be, be more calm. I actually stopped like smoking like a whole blunt and I, I started just like hitting it because that's all I really needed. It actually helps me to access that other side <laughs> because like, you know, you, um, Mikhail, you know, I deal with Orishas. Orishas yeah. talk to me. Like I hear them clearly, like people, ancestors be around them. I can hear them clearly, like whenever, and that's usually when I smoke. It's anytime, but when I smoke, it's clear. I get that clarity that comes. You open our mind to our divine connection. Mm-hmm. And what what's keeping us from it is our own mind that's been conditioned against us, and it help keep that 
from interfering. Mushrooms kicking in. So if it's helping me, like, I, but why at the same time too? I, I'm not sure if it's helping or healing. I'm just be honest. This is the place where I'm standing at right now in this moment. Try it. I'm not right? really sure. Well, I, I, I haven't been using it recreationally because mm-hmm. when I use it recreationally, which means when I'm saying recreationally, I mean in like, it's no real purpose. I'm out at a party, everybody's smoking, I smoke too. Because it's something that make me tap into that spiritual side, like I am, I will immediate wanna leave. Like if I'm out at a party, I'm not there to be spiritual. <laughs> I'm trying to turn up. <laughs> right. I'm trying to have fun. I wanna hang out with my friends that know how to have fun. I wanna, I wanna dance. I want to, you know, live life. You know, and so if so I can do all that in a spiritual way, but if I smoke and now I'm seeing, oh, great, you got entities attached to you. Now I'm not even going to be around you, let alone, you know, so it's like now it's messing. Now it's messing with me on my healing journey because now I'm like, oh, it's not safe when I go outside because I'm seeing all the different spirits that be on people with people. And, you know, that make me want to do it's either going to make me do one of two things. I'm either going to talk to you, tell you everything what you got going on, heal you up. It might scare you. You might not want to fuck with me no more. That's going to trigger me, abandonment issues. Or I'm or I'm either not going to do none of that and I'm just going to, when I when I come back down, I'm going to be like, oh, now I can't fuck with you because you got spirits on you, da, da, da. And now I'm in hermit mode. Now I'm back alone, abandonment issues again. So it's a lose-lose. All those things are the same, whether you smoke or not. If you were talking to someone that have whatever issue and you don't know about it, the reality is the reality. If you just see it more clearly when you smoke, then that's all that it is. It's the same reality. So if what what you're talking about is yourself being more comfortable not knowing about scary oh things. Oh my god! You know how many times that's what you're actually. And remember, talking. I told you I prayed that shit away when I was young. I was four years old. I used to see. Um, I will never forget y'all. This is the one moment where I remember I prayed that shit away. I was actually six or seven years old. I was at my mom's house, and I looked into the tub. And when I looked in the tub in the water, I did not see my reflection. I saw somebody fucking else. It was like a little white little porcelain looking girl that was in that water if she must have drowned in there and i think that's what she was trying to tell me that somebody drowned her in that tub and that like it was like similar energy of like with my mom like there was something that it was some foul play but she never got her justice and i was like go away go away go away go away i went like this i put my hands on my ears i was like i didn't see i didn't see it i didn't see it go away go away go away it's not real it's not real it's not real i was like six or seven did you ever prayed that shit away did you ever uh to this day, like, do you ever research that property or talk to the police or anything and just get information? An yeah, you could research. Go, you could still to this day go to the police department and say, "Hey, did any did, did anything happen in this apartment?" You know, usual, you're not used to it. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's the only reason it's scary. It's scary. It just that's just what happened. Yeah, right. And then growing up with a mom. With a mom. Oh, with the mental health issues. With mental health. I felt like, oh, this is my destiny. You know? Yeah. So that's what made it scary. The shrooms are And out. yeah, they are. <laughs> I told y'all if I cry, I, I can feel it in my It's because of the shrooms. It, you're and, afraid I mean, to I turn don't, into your mother. I don't, I don't, I don't. Listen, 
but when it's when it comes down to my healing, yeah. like I'm unapologetic yeah. because this shit gonna end with me. My kids not going through this. Like I I would do I would whatever whatever I gotta do. That's pause. Pause. 